heart of the East Coast, this is Sports Raver with your host, a West Coast girl who raves about all things sports, Carolyn B. to talk about my raves. NCAA football is in deep turmoil. What does Bill Walsh have to do with Theo Epstein? Adam Gase, what are the Jets waiting for? Plus the latest action in esports, my take on the latest happenings and the obscure sports report. Welcome to the Sports Raver, where I rave about my favorite things in sports and I rave against the worst things in sports. Thanks for coming to rave with me. Hey, hey, everyone. I'm your host, Geraldine B. Let's get right into the latest happenings. The shocker of the week in the NFL? It's not that Adam Gase is still a head coach. Nope. This one is a decision made by Sean Payton of the New Orleans Saints. His choice to start Taysom Hill over Jameis Winston was quite the head-scratcher for some. Sean Payton is known for his gambles on the field. But by not starting Winston, it seemed the Saints would be taking that to a whole new level. Why would he start an unproven one-trick pony instead of a veteran QB with starter experience? Some rumors were that Peyton wanted to evaluate Hill to see if he really is their quarterback of the future after Breeze retires. But wow, doing it mid-season? In the end though, the joke was on all of us. I wouldn't say Hill's performance was enough to ensure he's the QB of the future for the Saints, but he definitely looked a lot better than most expected. You've gotta hate seeing this. Joe Burrow is out for the season after suffering a gruesome season-ending injury. Reports are he tore his MCL and ACL and has other knee damage. I don't even know what that means. Though the Bengals are just 2-7, and seven, Burrow was having a superstar rookie season. Problems with the offensive line haven't helped him and he's been hit so many times that an injury probably isn't a surprise. But despite that, he had managed to throw for over 300 yards in five games, being one of the only bright spots on the Bengals team this year. And now Ryan Finley will take over? Oh, he's got massive shoes to fill. Maybe next year, Cincinnati fans. But in more lighthearted NFL news, Cam Newton threw his first touchdown pass to a Patriots wide receiver this year. That's right, the first of the year during week 11. I guess it doesn't matter as long as you're winning. Chucky got so close to taking his second victory lap by beating the Chiefs, but Patrick Mahomes snatched that away when he threw a touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey with 28 seconds left in the game, breaking the hearts of the Raiders players who had played so hard. Patrick Mahomes had never thrown a go-ahead touchdown in the final minutes of a game. Say what? Well, that's according to Andy Reid. I sure hope the Chiefs team bus took its victory lap around Allegiant Stadium. Fred Van Vliet just gave a boost to NBA hopefuls everywhere. Van Vliet signed the largest contract ever awarded to an undrafted player when he re-upped with the Toronto Raptors for a four-year, $85 million contract. While inspiring, it does bring up the question, how hard is it to make it into the NBA if you play NCAA basketball, especially for the bigger schools? 
As of April 2020, the percentage of NCAA basketball players who play at the pro level, it's 1.2%. That's even lower than the 1.6% of NCAA football players making it to the pros. If a player doesn't get drafted, there are other options like playing in international leagues, which can sometimes get you noticed by the NBA. And though I agree with Van Vliet's tweet, bet on yourself, I'd also say don't put all your eggs in one basket, pun intended. Get your degree, kids. You're probably going to need it. Daniil Medvedev beat Novak Djokovic, Rafa Nadal, and Dominic Thiem to win the ATP Finals and his biggest title so far. He is the first in 30 years to defeat the top three ranked players en route to winning a title. Medvedev has been on something of a tear in November, going 10-0 in all his matches. It's really strange to be talking about any tennis player that isn't Federer, Nadal, or Djokovic. But all good things must come to an end, eventually, and a new crop of stars will take their place. If this is the start of that, I hope these guys have the personalities to keep the ratings up. And the award for extreme hubris goes to Lewis Hamilton this week, who lost his three-year trademark battle with Hamilton International, a maker of luxury watches since 1892. The battle was over the use of the name Hamilton. The watchmaker was able to show that they had been using the name since 1892. And as they pointed out, well before Lewis Hamilton was born in 1985. The court verdict read in part, the contested mark consists solely of one word, Hamilton, and not Lewis Hamilton. It is rather a common surname in English-speaking countries. <laughs> Nothing like a subtle bollocking to put you in your place. The NCAA football season continues to implode in spectacular fashion in this COVID-19 era. The biggest postponement to date? Number four Clemson against Florida State. The decision to postpone the game came just hours prior to kickoff when Florida State decided they weren't comfortable playing Clemson because one of Clemson's players had tested positive after traveling with the team. This is just the latest in a giant domino collapse of postponed and canceled games. The entire season is in turmoil. But the bigger question is how does the lack of games and tape on players hurt them in the 2021 NFL Draft? If your name isn't Trevor Lawrence, of course. There are whole conferences that postpone their seasons until the spring, but I don't think anybody really thinks those will ever take place. And there is no more crucial time for an NFL hopeful than their final season before the draft. For example, heading into the college football season in 2019, Joe Burrow wasn't even on NFL teams' radars. But then he had a stellar season after transferring to LSU and everything changed. The same can be said for other players taken high in the 2020 draft. And in a normal year, scouts spend months evaluating players by traveling to schools, talking to college coaches, watching film, getting results from the combines and pro days. And scouts being able to even attend games this season has already varied by school. With less and less games being played, how are scouts and therefore teams expected to evaluate prospects? NFL teams will adjust. They always do. No matter what the situation is at the conclusion of the college football season and the months leading to the draft. They'll watch film from previous years. They'll have conversations with college coaches. They'll have Zoom interviews with players, which should help in character evaluation. And I'm sure the combine will continue in some form. But it won't be as thorough as past years. But maybe this will open the door for players that might have been overlooked in a typical year. 
With less access to the big schools and some conferences not playing at all, NFL teams will have no choice but to take a look at more players than they might have. It'll be interesting to look back at the success or failure of the 2021 draft class in the years to come. Epstein is continuing with his adherence to the Bill Walsh philosophy that 10 years with a team is long enough. Epstein announced last week that he was stepping down as the Chicago Cubs head of baseball operations after nine years with the organization. He did the same thing when he was with the Boston Red Sox. But what most people in baseball want to know right now is what is next for Epstein. Epstein himself says he is taking a year off from baseball after working nonstop for 30 years. Rumors are that plenty of teams are chomping at the bit to get him into their organization to work the same magic he did by getting rid of the curse of the Bambino and the Billy Goat. The Phillies, the Mets, the Indians all could use his wizardry at turning around a ball club or a host of teams who've never even won a championship. And while he'd probably do amazing work for any team out there, I want to make the case that he should have the big job, the biggest job, Commissioner of Major League Baseball. When Rob Manfred was selected, he was tasked with increasing pace of play, interest in the game, and growing the fan base. He's done none of those things, and anything he has tried to do has failed miserably. And I would say, in the case of interest in growing the fan base, he's caused more people to stay away. I mean, if the commissioner of baseball is calling the World Series trophy a piece of metal, how is that encouraging young people to watch the game? But it's his handling of the Astros cheating scandal, or should I say lack of handling the cheating scandal that could be pointed at for a decline in viewership and growth of the game, without holding any of the players responsible for their actions and allowing them to keep their World Series title, he has destroyed the integrity of the game, which was still trying to recover from the steroids scandal. Epstein is respected, super driven, and loves challenges. He's been named the best general manager of the decade for Major League Baseball and number three in all sports. Fortune Magazine placed him at number one on their list of the world's 50 greatest leaders for goodness sake, though he says he can't even get his dog not to pee in the house. He instills confidence and energy. He knows how to talk to people, the players like him, and he knows the game inside and out. I don't think any of that can be said of Manfred. of NFL coaches who are on the hot seat to keep their jobs. Matt Patricia, for one. Detroit's a mess, and as Terry Bradshaw famously said, Patricia can't coach a lick. There's also Doug Marone of the Jags and possibly even Vic Fangio of the Bears. But there is none more in need of being shown the door than Adam Gase. Why on earth is he still a coach of the Jets? What are they waiting for? When Adam Gase was hired, his success with Peyton Manning in Denver was the topic always brought up. Oh, come on, a paper bag could have coached Peyton Manning in Denver. He's Peyton Manning. The bottom line is Adam Gase is a bad coach. He was a bad head coach in Miami and he's an even worse coach in New York. The Jets aren't doing anything right, nothing. And yes, they've been riddled by injuries, but there is no aspect of their game where they look prepared at all. Sloppy play on both sides of the ball. He reportedly lost the locker room last year and his players don't respect him at all, which was the same problem he had in Miami. 
Jamal Adams wanted the heck out of the Jets because of Gase. Le'Veon Bell didn't get along with him and is now a chief. And so is Kalechi Osmele, whose injury and denial of surgery by the Jets organization was one for the ages. If your players don't want to play for you and you can't even be bothered to talk to them on the sidelines, you are already in trouble. Gase is supposed to be an offensive and quarterback's coach mastermind, but we have never seen any evidence of that. And who does it really suck for? Sam Darnold. Look at what Gase did to Tannehill. Bad coaches can destroy a quarterback's career. I think Rex Ryan had a hand in the demise of Matt Sanchez, not the butt fumble or being caught horking down a hot dog on national TV during a game. People are saying Trevor Lawrence should consider staying at Clemson if the Jets get the first pick. And they aren't wrong. Even when the Jets fire Adam Gase, or should I say if they fire Adam Gase, they are still one giant disaster. And I'm not necessarily for firing a coach after two years, but when you have zero respect from your players and nothing to show for any of your efforts, there isn't really an upside anymore. I'd say it's long past time to look elsewhere. Wolves Esports has joined with the North American Collegiate League to promote the NACL's 2021 Championship Series. Who, who, and what, you might say? Well, Wolves Esports is a part of the Wolverhampton Wanderers Football Club, which plays in the English Premier League. They are just one of the many traditional sports organizations that find themselves delving into the world of esports. No one wants to be left behind. And the NACL is a nonprofit esports and entertainment organization that hosts esports tournaments for colleges and universities with scholarships often as prizes. That's offering another avenue for kids to go to college. Some of NACL's brand ambassadors include Aaron Jones, the running back for the Green Bay Packers, and up-and-coming driver Anthony Alfredo, or Fast Pasta, as he's known in the NASCAR Xfinity world. Great nickname. During the championship series, there will be four gaming tournaments, PUBG, Rocket League, FIFA 21, and Fortnite. The part I love about these tournaments is that the best players of each will have the chance to play against the Wolves' professional gaming teams. The whole goal is to expose more people to the world of professional esports gaming. Tournaments like this one only serve to push esports further into people's awareness. Esports can be a tough world to understand, but at this rate, I think top gamers will be household names in the future. Maybe all that time kids are spending on iPads or playing Fortnite isn't so bad after all. The Obscure Sports Report. What? That's a sport? Uh-uh. No way! The British Octopus Association was all set to have their annual Nautilus 2020 event when it was canceled due to COVID-19, as so many sports have been. Obscure sports are no different. So I'll just take this time to explain this awesome sport that's gaining every year in popularity. In Octopus, or underwater hockey as it's also known, and just like its non-aquatic counterpart, the objective is to get your team's puck into the opponent's goal. Whoever scores the most goals in the allotted time wins. 
The players have a short stick, about one foot in length, attached to their glove with which they can pass the three-pound puck to teammates or to score the goal themselves. The players are allowed fins, gloves, the stick, snorkels, and diving masks. There are 10 players to a team, but only six in the water at a time. It's supposed to be a mainly contactless sport, but getting hit in the face by someone else's fins is a real possibility. There's no checking for obvious reasons, namely the chance of drowning. Who on earth created this sport, you might ask? Octopush was created in 1954 Great Britain by an avid diver named Alan Blake. He and his diving buddies wanted to find something to do during the winter when diving along the coast was not recommended. By 1955, they had their first tournament and by the 1960s, the sport had spread to other countries. During underwater hockey, you can either play or breathe, but you can't do both at once, obviously. That's because the puck is almost 10 feet down on the bottom of the pool. Most players hang out at the surface, breathing through their snorkels while still keeping an eye on the game to know when they should dive in to do their part for the team. From the underwater cameras, it does look a lot like a school of fish going for a kernel of corn as the players fight for the puck. You definitely have to be an excellent swimmer and in stellar physical condition to shine in this sport. Not to mention you need to be able to hold your breath for long periods of time. I don't know about you, but I kind of like breathing, so I guess I won't be competing anytime soon. But hey, don't let that stop you! Okay, friends, thanks for listening in. That's a raver wrap for today. And remember, don't walk out of the restroom sniffing your fingers, no matter how good the hand soap smells. Thanks for listening to my raves. Become a sports raver too by following me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and checking out all my podcast raves. Till next time, I'm Gerilyn B, the sports raver.